Good morning, everybody. It's good to see you here today. See, I want to I show you something. I want, I want you to know this is my teddy bear. Okay? This is my teddy bear. Okay? Now, whose teddy bear is this? It's whose? It's mine. That's right. How did you know that this is my teddy bear? How? I told you. Exactly. So you know that this is my teddy bear because I told you. You know what? Jesus did something for us that was even more better than me telling you that this is my teddy bear. He told us about the Father. You know, he told us that God the Father hates sin. He just cannot stand it at all. He hates every bit of it, and he condemns people for it. But you know something else? Jesus told us that the Father loves you. He loves you so much that he sent Jesus to take your sins away. He loves you so much that he wanted you to come and live with him and be with him forever. And so he sent Jesus to take our sins away. And because of that, you know what we get to do? We get to go live with Jesus in heaven forever. What a wonderful thing. We thank Jesus for telling us who the Father is and what he's done for us. Let's pray about that. Dear Jesus, thank you for coming to earth and taking our sins away. Thank you especially for telling us about your mission and why you came. Thank you for giving us the special gift of knowing our Father and also of knowing the Spirit who gives us faith. Help us to share that with others as we have the chance and help us always to remember that the Father loves us. In your name we pray. Amen. God's grace, mercy, and peace from him who is, who was, and who is to come, your Savior and mine, Jesus Christ. Amen. God's word for this seventh and final Sunday of Easter, also Memorial Day weekend, is recorded for us in the last book of the Bible. The last chapter, the final verses. Let's hear how each of us can perform under peace, not pressure, all because of Jesus. The Bible says this, Jesus said, look, I am coming soon. My reward is with me, and I will give to each person according to what they've done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. Blessed are those who wash their robes, that they may have the right to the tree of life and may go through the gates into the city. Outside are the dogs, those who practice magic arts and the sexually immoral, the murderers, the idolaters, and everyone who loves and practices falsehood. I, Jesus, have sent my angel to give you this testimony for the churches. I am the root and the offspring of David and the bright morning star. The spirit and the bride say, come. And the, let the one who hears say, come. Let the one who is thirsty come. Let the one who wishes to take the free gift of the water of life. He who testifies to these things says, yes, I am coming soon. Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. This is the word of the Lord, we pray. Lord Jesus, sanctify us by your truth. Your inspired word is truth. Amen. Dear friends in Christ, it's exciting to start a new job. And as your new pastor, just been doing this a couple months, I can tell you that from personal experience. It's both exciting and scary. But 
It's not just me that gets to experience a new job, is it? Every single one of us in this room or watching online is going to understand that for a fact. I say it's exciting because a new job means new experiences, new people to greet, and new challenges to meet. But it's also a little bit scary because, well, let's be honest, you knew what the old job was like. You knew what the old boss expected of you. You knew the quirks and personalities of your coworkers, and you knew exactly how much you were going to be bringing home at the end of the week. But no matter how well that final interview that got you the job went, well, you're always going to have unanswered questions, aren't you? Unanswered questions like, now, just how hard will it be to be trained? How long will I have this new job? And will it all be worth it? A lot is riding on how well you perform. And if you slip up, you just might not be able to go back to the old job. And so we often perform our jobs under pressure. During the 40 days after Easter, after Jesus rose from the dead and ascended into heaven, a lot was running on those disciples' shoulders after Jesus arose, ascended into heaven. I mean, what I mean is Jesus wasn't going to be there visibly like he was during his three-year ministry with those followers. He wasn't going to hold their hands as they were going to preach the gospel to every man, woman, and child. He wasn't going to treat them like protected panda bears as they were going to soon face growing opposition, persecution, yes, total rejection, and even death. There was no plan B. The disciples carrying the gospel to the world, well, this was it. Stop and think about the consequences if these disciples didn't do their job right of intentionally and willingly sharing the gospel with others. If they wouldn't have done that, if they would have broken down on the job, the whole world, that's including you and me and all future generations, would go to hell. But when you read the book of Acts and the rest of Holy Scripture, that didn't happen. And do you want to know why? It's because Jesus' followers operated under the peace of God's forgiveness. His mercy and grace won at the cross and revealed that the open tomb meant something to these first followers. It still means everything to you and me. What that means is as Christian believers, you and I now can do whatever Jesus asks us to do. As we take a closer look today, at the final chapter of the final book of the Bible, Revelation chapter 22, we're going to learn how we can perform under peace, not pressure. I say that because as we study God's word, we're going to first of all hear what our Lord expects of us. And secondly, we're going to also see how Jesus gives the courage to do our jobs faithfully. The book of Revelation is God's final word to his people in Holy Scripture. It's the most fascinating book of the Bible. It's probably the most easily misunderstood. It was written by the disciple John as he was in exile on the island of Patmos 
and it was written to God's people who were experiencing the hardest of times. I say it's fascinating because, well, the book of Revelation has some amazing word pictures, colors, and numbers depicting what the kingdom of God is like. I say misunderstood because so many times have made, people have made the mistake over the years of trying to pin down individual events to human history. But here's the easy key to understanding Revelation. God let John see the vision of time from the beginning of time to the end of time in one flash. And John simply wrote down where he was in about the year 60, 70 AD. He wrote down exactly what he saw. And I think you'd agree he did it exactly what he needed to because he was trying to tell God's people, don't lose hope. But you know, God's word couldn't come at a better time for us this weekend. I mean, we're experiencing what? High gas prices? We're experiencing random and deadly school shootings? The war in Ukraine? Maybe your family is experiencing even more of a test of faith. How you and I need to hear God's word today. Well, it would be frustrating if you started a new job and no one told you what to do. That's why most of us here have bosses or supervisors who help guide us. And if we wouldn't have those people in our lives, just think, we might be busying ourselves with tasks that really didn't need to be done, or we might be neglecting things that really needed to get done. Well, in a much greater way, our gracious Lord and Savior Jesus tells us clearly what he expects of us. We call Jesus our Savior, but we also call him our Lord. And I hope you know what you mean when you say that. When you say he's our Lord, you're saying literally he's our master. He's our go-to guy. He's our boss man. What is our boss Jesus like that we need to listen to him every day? Well, listen to what he, how he introduces himself this way in the book of Revelation. He says, I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. The word alpha is a reference to the very first letter of the Greek alphabet. And the omega, that's the last letter of the Greek alphabet. What Jesus is simply telling us here is he has been the boss from the beginning of time to the end of time. Jesus has always been around here and he'll always be around here. And that's why it's important for us to listen up to what he has to say. Because Jesus knows the mission that he's given each of us to learn about Jesus as our Savior, to grow in that faith, and to share that faith with others. Jesus knows our job inside and out, and he also knows how people will respond to his message through his prophets, and Jesus has experience preaching to many people, and he saw their reaction, and he knows what reaction his word is going to get today. Let me ask you, what kind of boss would you rather have? A boss who's removed, up in the office, pushing a pencil, and simply barking orders to you? Or do you want the kind of boss who's able to fix every machine in the plant? And so our Savior's timeless experience in fixing sinners inspires confidence in every one of us. Jesus tells us ahead of time what he expects of us, and now that we know that, that should give us peace. This is what he says. 
I, Jesus, have sent my angel to you to give you this testimony for the churches. It's no secret what Jesus expects of us. He expects us to learn of him, to grow and know more and more, and to, to not only live, to, to know the faith, but to live the faith. He expects us to love him and love one another, to be kind, patient, helpful, even if others aren't doing that at the time, and that's not so easy, to forgive as we have been forgiven. So let's not worry about the job performance, what Jesus gives us right now. Honestly, give yourself a self-evaluation. How well have you done what Jesus expects of you? When I think about those words and my performance, I think, you know what? I'm not really all that bad. But then I start taking a closer look and listen to my conscience. That makes me feel guilty of for all those times I've blown it. And quite honestly, your conscience does the same thing to you if you're paying attention. I mean, none of us have done here what Christ has, has the right living that Christ has required from us. Listen to how now Jesus will judge our performance. On Judgment Day, the Bible says this, Look, I am coming soon. My reward is with me, and I will give to each person according to what they've done. This isn't bad news, my friends. This is gospel news. Jesus doesn't treat us the way our sins deserve. He has come and promises to give us the reward of his grace. He describes it later as a free gift of the water of life to all who trust in him. Jesus is more than our judge. He is our savior from sin. What's going to be on our record when the books are open? The only thing for the Christian believer is going to be forgiven. We're going to have the right living of Jesus who lived perfectly for every time we didn't and instead gave that perfect life on the cross to give God what he requires to make us right with God. And he arose from the grave to assure us all of that was true. He gives that right living to us by faith alone. Well, maybe this will help you understand what I mean. Let me explain it this way. Earlier this week, I received a coupon from Luther Honda dealership over in Mankato. I was emailed an email with coupons along with the exact make and model of my car. I drive a Honda. And, and again, the required maintenance of what my vehicle needs. Pretty slick, huh? It wouldn't make much sense for them to send me a coupon for a Ford or a Dodge. I mean, I don't have that, and it wouldn't help me. In the same way, it wouldn't make much sense for Jesus to give eternal life to those who won't believe because they don't want his offer. I mean, people, there are people right now here in our world that are living without Christ. People we know people we're related to, people that we love, people who don't see Jesus as their only Savior from sin. Oh, nice people, but they don't think they have any sin. They don't have any issue with God, and so they rely on their own personalities, their good looks, yes, their bank accounts to get them through this life. They love the lie that God doesn't exist, or God doesn't care what kind of sinful lifestyle that they live, and since they go through life without God, the horrible truth is that 
God's going to give them in eternity exactly what they want. And in eternity, separated from God in hell. But it's not too late. Listen to what Jesus says. Blessed are those who wash their robes that they may have the right to the tree of life and may go through the gates into the city. When Jesus makes this offer of eternal life to us, we don't have to think twice of accepting or believing his offer. Even though we've messed up our job of living for Christ every single day, Jesus now gives us the opportunity to wash all of our mistakes away in the detergent of Jesus' blood shed on the cross. When you think about it, Jesus' blood is a lot like Tide laundry detergent. It gets the stain out that other, other remedies leave behind. And in doing so, Jesus gives us access to our eternal destination called heaven. Well, Jesus described heaven this way, as going through the gates into the city to have the right to the tree of life. Have you ever wondered what it must be like to be able to sit in one of those luxury boxes in Target Field where the Twins play or U.S. Bank Stadium where the Vikings play? Have you ever been there? Well, I haven't either. But I imagine when it's time to eat, they don't have only mac and cheese or just franks and beans. I imagine the food, food in those luxury boxes is much better so the same when we get to heaven the bible tells us that you and i are going to dine on the finest of fare think of the best meal that you're ever going to have in heaven it's going to be better the bible says that we're going to dine on the tree of life meaning we get to be like adam and eve back in the garden of eden before the fall we're going to eat from the tree of life that will let us live forever have perfection in heaven no more death, no more problems, no more pain, only joy forevermore? Yeah, sign me up, God. How great will that be? But this promise of heaven is what gives us the courage to work faithfully in whatever station God has given you and me. Whether you're called worker, St. Paul's leader, or pew sitter, whether you're single or married, young or old, a little richer or a little poorer, parent, teen, or child. This promise of heaven, of perfection that is soon to come, I pray that that stays right in front of you and inspires you to work faithfully for Jesus out of thanks for him, of what he's offered us, and gives us the strength to give us that every single day. We work faithfully because we know the things that we do today matter to Jesus. He cares. Our labor in the Lord is never in vain. We work faithfully because we know our time here is short. Jesus tells us that right in our reading today. He's coming and he's coming soon. In chapter 22, Jesus actually repeats that phrase, he's coming and he's coming soon, three times. He's not just repeating himself because he doesn't know what else to say. He's repeating himself because he doesn't want us to miss it. Let's be faithful to Jesus, living for him in whatever station God has given us, and share our faith with others. Whether Jesus returns five hours from now or 5,000 years, because then after that it'll be too late. I mean, how would you feel if you owned a business and you came to that business and all of your employees were sleeping on the job? 
I mean, what would you feel like doing? Firing them on the spot. So also when our Lord Jesus returns, may he find us faithful, not wrapped up in our own personal agendas that we don't have time to think of him. My dear friends, I know in this busy world, there's always so much to do and some things always get left undone. But if we put off sharing our faith, simply giving an invitation to somebody we care about to come and hear Jesus' words, Jesus gives us the strength to give the invitation. He tells us, don't worry about the results. He'll take care of that. But he says, be faithful. My friends, may God's great love for us help us reprioritize our lives so that the most important gospel work of all isn't left undone. So we say, with John in our reading, Amen. Come, Lord Jesus, I say to you, Amen. For our stewardship of time, I'd like you to think about this. This summer, I pray that you get to take a vacation. But please don't take a vacation from God's Word. In just a couple of weeks, I get to take a vacation out to Nevada to visit my, my uh, family and my granddaughter, and I just can't wait. It gives us a time uh, for vacation to rest and relax, but also it's important to be able to do that. But when you go on vacation, don't take a vacation from God's Word. Don't skip church, even though I know there'll be the urge to, because you'll wonder, well, where am I going to go? It's not St. Paul's if I'm out of town. Well, here's a helpful tip for you. There's a, a wonderful tool by our Wells Online called Wells Locator. If you simply type Wells Locator, you'll find the closest Wells Church, even on vacation, that you go to. I didn't know where there was a one in Nevada, and I did exactly this. And my wife and I were able to find the closest church to where we were at, and we were able to attend that church. It not only helps you give you more faith, especially in the summer when you need it, but it also sets a wonderful example for your family as we thank God for the vacations that we do get to take. Let's be faithful to God as we don't take a vacation from his word. We pray the words of, of hymn number 632. Lord, open now my heart to hear, and through your word to me draw near. Let me your word ere pure retain, let me your child and heir remain. Amen.